Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina. Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. This is Rubina Chaudhry from uh, Fullerton, California, and uh, welcoming my co-host, Phyllis. Phyllis, welcome. Thank you very much, Rubina. Here in the uh, here on the East Coast uh, in Connecticut, it's not as warm as it is out there, but we're getting there. Oh, great! Wonderful, wonderful, and it's good to be talking with you, Phyllis. Likewise. And good to good to have you as a as a friend. Uh, Likewise. In, in today's show, we are continuing our conversation about. Uh, COVID-19 and the strategies for handling COVID-19 related uh, issues with a special emphasis on the seniors. So we have three segments of the show. In the first one, we will talk about the challenges from a uh, professional perspective, from Phyllis's perspective, from the nursing home situation. In the second segment, we'll talk about the all-important, how do we stay connected with our with our elders, seniors, family members, now that we can't visit them and, and, uh, uh, and go see them in person. And then in the third one, we will share some of the coping strategies that uh, we ourselves are using that, and also that we see others using. So with that in mind, Phyllis, you've just walked in the house from, uh, from work in the nursing home uh, in, uh, in your area. Can you share your uh, experience of today? How are you doing? What's the environment? Um, what are your thoughts that you'd like to share? Well, as I said before we got on the air, that it's uh, it's getting more stressful with each passing day. Um, we do have a case that returned from the hospital, um, a gentleman who is positive, and that puts everybody in a um, higher alert situation. Um, it's, um, you know, there are people who have um, elected not to come to work because they fear uh, being exposed and getting their families ill, uh, or because of their some of their own underlying conditions, and um, then actually somebody today uh, said to me, someone I know for a very long time, but I'm um, in a facility I'm covering for. Uh, I've been there several times over the years, so I know this gal for a very long time, and she said she wasn't going to come to work today, but. You know, she feels a responsibility to her coworkers who be left there alone to handle, you know, all the residents that they need to see for rehabilitation. So people feel a responsibility for their coworkers as well as the patients and their own safety and well-being. And then, of course, there are uh, residents, uh, patients really suffering from the isolation and the lack of communication with their families. And... Um, Something that um, I personally um, find troubling, and I've talked about it quite a bit there, is that on the on the unit and an adjacent unit actually, where uh, there is this gentleman that returned 
with a positive indication of the virus, the doors to the residence cl- rooms are closed. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a particular concern because, you know, unfortunately, the nursing home space has a reputation for people not always paying attention to residents. Um you know, some in some places more than others. Some are far better than others, obviously. But with doors closed, uh, you're not even eyeballing people as you go by. And uh, what's happening behind those doors? Has someone fallen? Do they need help? Um, it's it's very stressful. Um, very stressful. Uh, that's uh, that's understandable, Phyllis, and uh, we are very, very grateful to all of the healthcare professionals that are on the front lines and that are supporting everybody, and especially those that are in the environment to support the seniors. Um, what are what are some of the the things that that you would suggest that could work in this uh, environment? It's uh, you know it's it's very tough. I can't I. I mean, yeah, it's it's it hard to even imagine. I would, um, and, and you know, this is this is um, stressful for families. Uh, you know, we'll talk about the, some mm-hmm. strategies in the next segment. Uh, stressful for families who who understand that their presence is an important part of the advocacy to ensure quality care for their loved ones. Mm-hmm. So now they can't be in the building and they um, they are hard-pressed to have communication with their loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would say from a professional point of view, as you're even driving up or walking up to after you park your car, you're walking to the this the place where you're going to go, your temperature is taken as soon as you walk in the front door. That already is is kind of puts you on high alert. It's it's mm-hmm. stressful. Um, I um, I have left my masks. We're really been given like one per week. And um, so I leave them in my lab coat at work. So when I come into the building, I actually don't have one and they don't have any. <laughs> they don't have any at the front desk. I mean, you uh, they, they just aren't there. So now, you know, you're walking through parts of the building unprotected. And um, so that, you know, kind of plays on your mind a little bit. You try not to think about it, but... Um, it does play on your mind. Uh, last week, mm-hmm. I was um, coming up from uh, the basement floor to the first floor, and I was mm-hmm. walking to the nurse's station to to get a mask, and the doctor stopped me and said, what are you doing here without wearing protection? I said, well, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. coming to get it. He said, you shouldn't really be here without it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a stressful environment for everyone. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. Let's uh, let's take a moment to look at uh, the scope and the and the need and the number of uh, nursing home that are uh, in uh, in America and the and the number of uh, seniors that are impacted by by this. Right. So there are approximately fifteen thousand six hundred nursing homes in the United States. Uh, where 1.4 million people live. Um, mm-hmm. Most of them, I would say, are older. You know, um, in this uh, in this stressful environment of, with this virus, and by the way, you know, um, I think I, I, I wrote an article about this. I, I don't know where it's going to be published yet, 
But uh, one of the things I remarked on is that like last week or the first couple of weeks, all the televisions were on in all of the rooms and um, in every public area and all you, you were inundated with the news constantly, constantly, constantly. Now with the doors closed, it's actually very quiet. It's kind of an eerie uh, feeling. And some of the residents that are more alert have the, the news going in their room all the time and they're frightened. Um, I, I read an article, I think I forwarded it to mm-hmm. you, I don't know if you had a chance to read it, that in Massachusetts, um, there were some facilities in the Boston area, and mm-hmm. they moved uh, people from those facilities to facilities in the center part of the state to make room for people that had to come from the hospital to recuperate from the virus. So. Mm-hmm. That creates a lot of uh, anxiety for the for the person <laughs> and the family, right? I mean, you have a loved one who's far away, so you could relate to that, I'm sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, everybody has anxiety right now, but the elders are even more prone to that anxiety, and especially the one that relates to their immediate environment. Uh, and I would think, uh, I would hope that the authorities who are taking that action have given that into consideration and mm-hmm. are making all the allowances possible. Uh, it's a it's a very challenging situation, you know, how do you prioritize what? And and uh, and it's uh, the extent of it is uh, is really you know <laughs> phenomenal to say. You know, we all you go ahead. No, no, I was go no, I was going to say uh, you know, for residents who are, are watching the news. So, um when you and I spoke yesterday, I had said I saw uh, one statistic that said 25% of the cases in New York were in nursing homes. And as we were on the phone, remember, I said, yes, oh, my I God, I think it was in Maryland, 66 people in a nursing home um, developed the virus. And I think it was either 11 or 19 were transferred to a hospital. And that's where it first started in Washington State, right, in a nursing home. I mean, it's right. an environment that kind of is fertile for mm-hmm. for that situation. Mm-hmm. And that's the nursing homes, but there's another uh, aspect of elder living, senior living, and that's the assisted living. And I think Correct. there's a, a large number of people. What did you, What are the statistics there? Uh, there are about 28,000 assisted living facilities in this country where about a million adults live. Mm-hmm. Um Assisted living facilities, I think, are a, a little bit of a different type of environment. People are usually... Um, you know, medically in better uh, condition. Mm-hmm. They're not as frail. They're not as sick. Uh, they don't have as many comorbidities. Um, I'm not saying that it's it's not um, ripe also for an, a virus situation, but it's a little different in a nursing home because people are more ill. They're more fragile. They're more vulnerable. You know, uh, a resident said to me today, he's actually there short term, or he's supposed to be, And he said um, something that's very poignant, um, even more now than before. Um, But you, you, yes, we're stuck in this room, but at least you're going home every night. And all Mm -hmm. I want to do is go home and spend time with my wife. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, I tried to explain to him that that uh, being home, he'd just be home. I mean, (laughs) right now, right now, right now, you know, being home isn't really so great. Another person told me they they were expected to go home last week, and the insurance company said no. 
And his mm. niece told him, there's no point in coming home because there's nothing to do when you get here. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, we're laughing. It's not funny, but... Um, right, it isn't, yes, yes. You know, we're laughing, but it's like opposite sides of that coin, um, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. It's it's really, really a strange environment. And, uh, you know, in, you're right, in assisted living, it is a little bit different. And uh, some of the things that I'm familiar with is that they are now they've closed the at least the one where my mom my mom right now is in uh, rehab but the assisted living where she lives they're no longer serving meals in the dining room right yeah they're serving meals in the room so then the people are even more isolated um and the nursing homes also i mean the centers for medicare and medicaid services i think it was about two weeks ago you know, issued guidelines that said there can be no visitors. There are some exceptions, and I think that people aren't realizing what some of these exceptions are. And one of them is in end of life um, or comfort care situations. And um, unfortunately, um, in in the nursing home where I am, unfortunately, they 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 didn't feel comfortable with that, and so. You know, his son didn't get a chance to spend time with his father right before he died. But, um, you know, I'm sure that's happening all over the country. People are terrified. It is, and it is. And uh, along the same line, one of my biggest concerns, which you and I have spoken about, is that my mom is 92. As, As listeners may recall, I lost my dad just before this in February. And she had uh, a fall and she fractured her hip, had surgery, she's in rehab now, and they're on lockdown. And I'm here, I'm not able to travel. I'm not able to send a companion to her. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really challenging. So in these kind of situations, what can family members do? Well, I guess we'll talk a little bit more about that in this next segment. So I'm glad you posed that question. Uh, but there was something else I actually wanted to say, some sure. other kind of downside about um, people who are in their rooms. Um, mm-hmm. In many cases, the rooms aren't, you know, they're, they're quite small. Mm-hmm. And um, someone I know, a friend, colleague, uh, told me that their mother was, and he, he used the word cooped up, in a room for 11 days, and this was a couple of weeks ago, no, about a week or so ago, and now they found, of course, that she's weaker because she Mm -hmm. hasn't been mobile. And so there's another downside to this. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, how is this affecting people not only emotionally and mentally, but physically if they can't move around? Right. Um, and, And that also affects, you know, digestion. I mean, there's so many ramifications to it I don't think people think about it or realize it you need to move around for your for everything in your body to move so you can have proper digestion and elimination mm-hmm. um, and and you could you just get weaker sitting in a room you know not um, not mm-hmm. moving mm-hmm. Uh, another concern I had um, is that in the facility where I I am what I've seen, because they're also short-staffed, because right. people aren't coming to work. Mm-hmm. So people sometimes aren't even being gotten out of bed. They're not even being washed mm-hmm. appropriately or dressed. They're just languishing in their beds day after day. And you and I have talked about how important it is to get up and start your day and get you know, bathed and how it 
it affects your mental outlook. And so um, this is another repercussion from this that's, you know, a negative consequence, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, this, uh, this particular situation has, has many negative consequences in every area, in, in every area that we can, we can imagine. So uh, let me ask you, you've been in touch with your mom, though. Um, mm-hmm. She's in short-term rehab, as you say. Uh, she is getting her therapy in her room, though, correct? Yes, you know, I spoke with her yesterday, and that's, uh, and uh, three, four days ago, I, I realized that she was confused, so I researched her meds and called her GP, and he was able to tell me what meds she was on right now, and then I think the bottom line is that you have to be a champion for your seniors. Right. So I left a message for the doctor to call me. And actually, I did receive a call yesterday afternoon from the uh, from the doctor. And he was able to adjust one of the meds uh, because I think we mom has a history where I think if there's a particular medicine that does one thing, so if you increase it, then it, you know, right. that, that balance is so critical. Right. But uh, one of the things that that I would like to suggest to our listeners is uh, uh, please call. Please call not too much. Be gentle, (laughs) you know, because we know the staff is stressed. Right. Uh, They are a less number of people. But at the same time, how can we best get the informa- information about how our loved one is doing right. and be able to say hello. And yesterday, actually, I was quite impressed. I got a call from the doctor. Wait, Rubina, can, can yes. we hold that until um, our next segment? Because I oh, think definitely. We, not, not that I wanted to interrupt. I want no, no, no. Uh, to we'll hear about it and have the listeners hear about it. So we'll be returning to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy in a few moments. Uh where in our next segment, we are going to talk about connecting with loved ones and what you can do to continue championing championing your loved one's care uh, by advocating from a distance. So um, we'll return in a few moments with Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Phyllis Heyman, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. 
Rubina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Welcome back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. I'm Phyllis Amon here with my co-host, Rubina Chaudhry. Uh, Rubina, right before we left for the break, uh, you were talking about receiving a call from the doctor. So I, um, I wanted to continue hearing about that. Yes, yes. I um, Actually, we were in the middle of a family uh, Zoom call. And my phone rings, and of course I address it. It took about four days uh, after leaving the message, and uh, of course he he listened to me. He had familiarized himself a little bit with my mom's chart, and he assured me that that she's recovering fine. And then he says, "Here now, you can talk to your mom." That was very oh. interesting. Yes, he offered without my asking. He offered, hey, now you can say hi to your mom. And the nurse, you know, gave my mom the phone. And I talked to her for maybe a good four or five minutes. And then the nurse comes again. She says, you know, auntie, before you hang up, doctor wants to talk to your daughter. And then I, you know, came back and talked to him. He had uh, further reviewed her chart based on the conversation that he and I had. I think he appreciated the research I had done because about a year and a half ago, my mom had similar instance where she was confused and we tracked it down that one doctor to, you know, take care of one thing over the other had increased the dose of one medicine. Right. Uh, so he reduced it a little bit and he says, let's observe her for a week. So I'm I'm really hoping for positive results. Mm. Uh, I, I'm really so I was really impressed with uh, with that. So, you know, we I don't, I admire our health care providers. You know, I, they're, uh, sorry, ahead. I don't I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I don't think that's a usual occurrence. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, we have to appreciate and be I, grateful. I, I agree. I agree. I think it's wonderful that you had that experience. And maybe maybe it's also this time that people realize how important that is. I think people are realizing how important it is um, to maintain there, those connections. Right. There, there are several factors in this one. And I think from there, I'm hoping listeners will pick one or two that would be helpful for them. One is that I have very openly communicated with them, with everybody I talk, that my mom is there, you know, I'm an only child and I live in California. She's in Canada, I'm in California. So that heightens their awareness. Right. And And the other thing is when I call them, I ask them, is this a good time for you to talk? Then before I ask to talk to my mom, is this a good time for you to let me talk to my mom? 
and and then I also asked them, and you also reminded me when we were talking yesterday. I also asked them, how are they doing? How are they coping with it? So it's if we are pleasant with each other, I think we can show each other up more versus being demanding, you know. Huh. And I know we all have different personalities, but this is this is the approach that's worked nicely for me. And uh, and one thing that was happening that happened earlier last week, my cousin who's there, he went and went to see mom when she was transferred from hospital to this rehab. So they knew him, they had met him, and they called him as first call when she had fallen. She had a, you know, mm. I don't know if you knew, but she fell. Um, but I, you know, very softly told them, you know, he's not your first to call. <laughs> I, I'm your first to call. You know, I said, you know, if there's a telephone charge, you call me for five seconds and I'll dial you right back. You know, it's so... funny you say that because as you're saying it, I'm thinking to myself, well, was he the first person on the chart to call? Because they're really not supposed to do that. I mean, they're supposed I think to call the, they, person, I, I, the first person. Yeah, no, he. I think he. they did... Uh, because he signed her admission papers on my behalf. I wasn't there. And uh, so they probably thought that he, right. I, whatever the confusion was, but my information is there. Uh, so um, so I'm hoping that uh, that they will call me first. Because I'm sure they will. The reason there is my cousin is very responsive. But at the same time, I want to be mindful of how much I impose on my extended family over there because I really want them to be available in a pinch when I really need them. Right, right. That makes sense. But I I, I mean, I think you said something that's very crucial that we talked about yesterday. And as a person who's a healthcare professional, it really does go a long way when when a family asks you how you're doing, even though you're there for them. Uh, when they ask you how how you're doing, especially at this time, um, I've had several uh, patients say to me, you know, take care of yourself out there, be safe, um, be careful this weekend. You know, if it's a Friday to a Monday, um, it it really means it really means a lot and. People are, are much more aware, I think, even as they're watching television and f- hearing about how people are extending themselves to other people. Because as you and I have talked about, and we're not the only ones, sure. um, this this uh, virus is not discriminating. As we all know, the prime minister of England tested positive. Prince Charles tested positive. There are many people around the world. Um, doesn't matter you know, what quote-unquote station of life they have or their their political persuasion or how much money or where they went to school or their socioeconomic status. Exactly. This, this virus has nothing to do with that. Yeah, it is very non-discriminatory. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting, some of the conversation that's, uh, that's coming. And there's just so much conversation. At one point, I've just stopped reading and, and listening. But one of the quotes that um, that really touched my heart and actually made me smile, and I don't know if you were in that chain, whether you saw it, 
It came from someone designated as a quote of the century or quote of uh, forever saying, Dear God, please uninstall 2020. <laughs> it has it it has a virus. <laughs> that's <laughs> I like that. That's actually very funny. <laughs> that's actually very funny, and it was interesting. And then uh, I put it on the family uh, chat string, and uh, my brother-in-law was an IT professional, and he said yes. And I hope he kept a backup, and I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did keep a backup. That's funny. You know? So there are those, uh, you know, those moments that uh, that are that are that are to be, you know, thought about and uh, and and cherished. And uh, and this thing about uh, this being, you know, non-discriminatory, it, it's it's just such a, a, a. It's very true, but for someone to make an observation and to to say this out loud, it's it's really, you know, uh, really amazing and. Um, and uh, uh, we wish everybody well. Uh, everybody. Absolutely. Yes, so yes. I, I wanted to go back to the conversation we were going to have about how we're connecting with seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, calling the facility where your loved one is located. Actually, um, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has recommended that facilities have like a point person. Um, because yes. I'm sure they're inundated with calls, um, a point person that that can respond to people's calls and and can also call out to families to um, every once in a while to let them know how their loved one is doing or if something particular um, comes up. Um, but another thing that um, we've talked about, uh, and CMS says this also, uh, that's the acronym for Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, is to um, facilitate video calls or FaceTime calls. And uh, you know that this is something that I've been um, kind of championing for a while now. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how many facilities are doing it. I could tell you in the facility where I am, it's not really happening. Um mm-hmm. I'm sure there are facilities where it is being done. Either, um, you know, somebody hands a person a phone, but of course people are very reluctant to hand a resident one of their own personal phones. I think in this facility where I am, they're not allowed to. But of course now with the virus and infections, it's even more of a concern. Um, I um, Well, let's talk about the project that we're going to do, Phyllis. Right. So I, um, as I said, I've been talking about this for a while, getting iPads to people so they could enjoy family dinners with their loved ones or holiday dinners. um, So they could, um, I got the idea from a radio show I did uh, where this woman had her father have an iPad. She had an iPad and they set up their dinner Thanksgiving time and they shared a Thanksgiving dinner. And I, I was like, wow, what a brilliant idea. So I've been talking about this for a while. And now this is seems like the perfect time for it. So I'm starting a um, in in um, cooperation with Olive Community Services, which is a nonprofit 501c3. I'm going to start a GoFundMe page um, entitled "Connecting with Seniors During Coronavirus." And uh, what we'd like people to do is contribute to it so that we can purchase iPads, tablets, any kind of smartphones. And um, 
you we discussed uh, you're in California. I'm in the East Coast. You know, identifying faci- identifying facilities in our area and calling them and ask them if they'd, you know, um, appreciate a contribution or you know a, a phone or a, a tablet so that they can. Um, find a way to have loved ones have FaceTime phone calls with their, um, you mm-hmm. know, family members. Yes, uh, Phyllis, that's that's really amazing. I think this uh, this environment, uh, and I think there are going to be many positives come out of this environment also. I agree. I think this, I think this COVID-19 is forcing us to slow down, um, reduce the randomness and rush, 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 and, and take, be really reflecting on where we are and where we want to go. And this project about the iPads, we've talked about it, as you said, for, for a few months now. But I think the timing is, is right now. Uh, last week, we started, uh, in the last two weeks, from when we went into this scenario, uh, working together with you and all of the Olive team over here, we have gone online and the Olive programs are being offered online three day, days a week. And then of course our radio show. So then the and then the second project we started is making face masks and we'll talk about it a little bit more in the next segment on, on how that plays in. And the third project, this is all within a two week time frame. Remember, right? The th- absolutely. The third project is this: uh, getting the iPads in the hands of uh, possibly the recreation uh, coordinator or possibly the social worker of the facility, because they are the ones that are going to see different people and see if they would, uh, you know, uh, give an opportunity for a five-minute call to a loved one and we know there we know nursing staff is very stretched oh absolutely with with people not being able to be social and go for walks and everything this could provide a new you know uh, a creative way of uh, for people to stay active and stay connected and and for those particular uh, health professionals to to provide their services uh, better. So thank you very much. And uh, we have a team already in the formation uh, phases right now. Um, we've already identified one of the Olive board members who's going to support that, uh, support you and I in uh, in this effort. Phyllis, and I look forward to developing it further. Oh, absolutely. And um, yesterday I was watching um, a news program And interestingly enough, they did a little segment, and I believe the nursing home was in Minnesota. I did not catch the name of it. I will try and find that out. And they had um, a very interesting thing going on. It's a robot, and uh, it's like a a tablet or an iPad that's attached to it. And then the family member operates it from the other side and has the conversation. They showed this woman having a conversation with her parents and her parents said they were waiting all day for that phone call. It was really terrific. Of course, it took them a while to get adjusted to it because some older people are not um, familiar with, with um, you know, talking to a person through a, a um, some kind of device. But it really was uh, terrific, and um, I'm going to explore the company that produced that um, device mm-hmm. and see if um, 
you know, we can partner with them or, you know, mm-hmm. do, is the do, is the iPad or tablet or whatever it is, a smartphone, does that separate from the device, from this robot and, and it's stalled on it or it's one one piece of equipment? But as we find out, we'll be able to tell our listeners more about, listeners more about that. Uh, def- definitely. And we do need to do more research to see which technology is the best uh, to to start off with, uh, to start this project with. Um, and, and I would say, you know, um, uh, you know, not there may be facilities that already have something like this in place or maybe have a device that they can use with their residents. But I'm sure of the 15,600 nursing homes in the country there are many who need them so i'm hoping our listeners um i should have the gofundme page up by tomorrow sometime and and hopefully we'll be able to uh, get that going and make some important um you know um mm-hmm. inroads for for well, connecting definitely. families and and seniors uh, definitely phyllis these projects are just they're having their own life and we just have to support them and be be positive as the projects come. Now, you know, as you say, who would have thought that, <laughs> that, that we would have, but now four times a week where we are reaching our audience, once on the radio and three times on, on the Olive online. And that, those programs are Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday from 11 a.m. to noon Pacific, and that's 2 p.m. to uh, on Eastern, right? Right, exactly. Oh. And yeah. and uh, I think we, you know, last week we talked about all the different programs where people can go to info at olivecs.org. That's info at olivecs.org to register for the program or find out more about it. Okay. And Phyllis, I think this is a good time for us to take a break. And then next segment, we will talk about uh, some of our personal coping strategies. So this is uh, Rubina Chaudhary and Phyllis Amond on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Phyllis Amon, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of all of Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rabina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions 
caregiver's face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Robina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Hello, this is Rubina. Phyllis, now we're into the real nitty-gritty of how are we coping and what strategies we can share with our listeners. And there's just so much information that's coming from uh, to us from the radio, the TV, the radio, you name it. And every WhatsApp chat has whatever and I'm really limiting the amount of information that I listen to and I read and I think that's one of the first strategies that I'd like to share with our listeners is is decide how much information you want and when you want it so that you're not overwhelmed by the mm. information that's uh, that's out there and uh, and be you know, even being overwhelmed can increase your uh, uh, your anxiety. Oh, now, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And there was um, one uh, one uh, recording, audio recording that I received from my daughter, who is a physician. And, uh, and actually, it's interesting. She sent it yesterday, and I didn't listen to it. And this morning, my son-in-law sent it, and he very rarely forwards anything. So when I saw it coming from both of them, then I listened to it. And I think that's one of the best explanations that I've seen or heard. And it's it's a video from Dr. Dave Price. He's a an ICU doctor in one of the New York hospitals. So he's really on the front line and he's talking about his, uh, his experience. He, um, I mean, it's, it was really very, um, and I sent it to you. I know you were at work and you didn't have a chance to listen to it. So I'll share a couple thoughts and I, and your homework for tonight, my dear Phyllis is to listen to this. Okay? <laughs> I will. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> to listen to this because I'm not going to share with uh, our listeners, but you and I had a strong conversation and you need right. to listen. Yes, okay. you need to you need to listen. And one thing that I learned is the nature of this virus. He's saying that the biggest the transfer mode is from hands to face. Mm-hmm. So the two things that you can do, is wash your hands right? or wear gloves, whatever, protection for hands. And the next thing is don't touch your face. Right. And where he was coming there, he's saying the bandanas and the homemade masks and, and that, he said, they're serving such a good purpose right now because it's keep they're keeping people from touching their face. Oh, 
Interesting. If, if nothing else. Yeah. If nothing else, it's keeping them from touching their face. It's it's covering their face. So he says, keep on making them. He said, the, the N95s, he said, I only use them when I really have to be, you know, in a, in a situation. I have to tell you, it's very uncomfortable. At least uh, I know for me and several other people have said the same thing. It's it's very uncomfortable to wear it. It's hot. You, it's not. You're not getting the same amount of air as if you're exposed to the. You know, the, he was the saying that it's there. not needed by by the average person, and he was saying it's not even needed by the average, you know, responder. Right. But it's needed by those special. Uh, medical uh, medical experts. So so that was that was one thing. Uh, I mean, the, this is this is just full full of information, almost an hour, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. But I'm now going to ask you to share one thing, and then I'll come back to some of the other things that I learned. Oh um, well, just in terms of coping. Um, and, and things you can do because you do start to go stir crazy, especially if you're in your house by yourself. Uh, actually, if you're in the house with somebody else and it's a challenged relationship, we uh, that has come up in many conversations, by the way. Um, but um, I... Um, I had an opportunity. I, I've said before how I love to ballroom dance. We had my uh, ballroom dancing, one of my ballroom dancing teachers on the show quite a while ago. And um, I took uh, three dancing lessons last week. Uh, they had them every night, but I missed one of them. And then one of them, I I, um, I didn't do that one. I forgot. I think I was I was busy or something um, listening to a webinar. But I... I um, I took ball, three ballroom dancing lessons, which were fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, li- I listened to a beautiful piano recital by a world-renowned classical pianist. Mm-hmm. Um, today, I received an email this morning. Uh, you and I, we had talked about with Olive, uh, the online, doing some cooking demonstrations or, uh, you know, exploration of recipes and so as it turns out, I received an email this morning. Some woman in Italy was renowned for her pasta making. Mm-hmm. And she runs classes. People come from all over the world to to um, take her classes because she's this renowned pasta maker. Well, now she can't do it. So what happened? She started doing it over, you know, the Internet. And now she's teaching worldwide how to make this this fantastic pasta. So, I mean, it's a question of, like you say, being creative, mm-hmm. you know, what you can do, what some of your skills are, how to now maybe think about how you can impart them to many other people. It doesn't have to be in the world. It could be your own circle of friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's wonderful. There is just so much available. One of the things that, Phyllis, I'm trying to do uh, you know, we've all had busy schedules and this uh, COVID has, has helped us to slow down a little bit. So I'm trying to prepare fresher meals. I'm used hmm. to bulk cooking, you know, cook today, eat tomorrow. Right. So that whenever family member is there, there's food in the fridge, they can warm it and they can eat it uh, because I want to make food available and I do my best. And uh, and I'm finding that uh, I don't have that skill set. I just mm. have, you know, I am. Yesterday I tried my best to make a dish just for a meal, 
I couldn't. My habit is to make more. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> you know, so I, I did I did make a little bit more, but I'm I'm trying to uh, to manage that. And for our dinner, I purposely did the preparation, left it on the stove, went and did something else, watched TV for half an hour, and then I prepared the dinner for when uh, we were ready to eat. And normally, you know, my dinner would be ready sitting there. I would eat different time. My husband would eat different time. Uh, you know, so it's a, it, it's those simple things. Uh, but uh, we can pick our own things. Now you get to share one more of your right. things. Right. So now actually I'm going to share something that you sent me, which okay. I actually haven't uh, done as yet, but it is my intention, I think, to do it tomorrow, um, which is um, Yale University has a course um, entitled uh, The Science of Well-Being. And um, the course will engage in a series of challenges to increase uh, personal happiness and to build productive habits. And um, there's no cost to it. There's just a link. And, um, you know, people could... So there. it's not only this course, but there are a lot of course course um, right. coursework that is now being offered online for um, nothing, actually. Yeah, yes. It's an opportunity to really learn and expand your your knowledge, expand. um, I think we had talked about this in one of the earlier shows. You know, if you want to learn a language, this is a great time. There there are so many possibilities. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, I am going to make a suggestion to my family to see if, uh, you know, children want to learn a second language uh, with me and okay. uh, and see where that goes because they are now homeschooling. They do have times available, but uh, I have to research for the materials. Right. And, uh, and uh, you know, there's a language I don't know and they don't know. Maybe we'll find a, a tutor together and grandma and the kids can learn a new language together. Um, and that's terrific. And talking about intergenerational, that's so beautiful, I think, for children to see that uh, grandma can learn too, and grandma wants to learn. And, oh, uh, definitely. Right? Definitely. And, and you can all, and you can be students together. You're all, you're one age, they're another age, but yet you're on the same level when it comes to learning a new language. Right. And the other thing that we, we've done here, uh, my two of my grandchildren used to come to my house and their nanny would come to my house. Since my husband and I are in a different demographic in the, the, the vulnerable group, as, mm-hmm. as people are saying, so, we, um, so they're now staying at their house. Mm-hmm. So, so we have less exposure than, uh, than we would even otherwise. So those are simple, small things uh, uh, that, uh, that we're doing. And to come back to Dr. Price's, uh, uh, you know, the, the audio, and, um, and I'm sure if uh, people, you know, Google David Price, I believe he's with Cornell University. Uh, he's one of the physicians there. And uh, and he started by saying that there are 1,200 bed state-of-the-art hospital, and right now they are a, a just a, a COVID center. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. That, yeah. It's, it's, it's almost overwhelming information. It's all, 
it's almost overwhelming information. And he's, he said, you know, he says, you know, this is a coward, coward virus. So don't be afraid of it. Huh. He, says, he says it dies very quickly. The only huh. two things you have to do is wash your hands well. You know, if you touch anything, you know, or, or, or um, use the sanitizer or, or, you know, use elbows to open your uh, doors and that if you don't have it. And then make sure you don't touch your hands. He says if at a minimum you can do that, know where your hands have been and keep them clean and don't touch your face. Don't touch He's, your face, right. Don't yeah. touch your face. So that's the biggest biggest and the simplest thing that you can do. You know, I shared with you that I went to the grocery store a few times. And I was, uh, the first time I had gone, I um, this was about a week or so ago, and I, I was using my forearms, I was wearing my coat and using my forearms because I was aware of the fact that, gee, maybe I shouldn't be, you know, having my hands all over this cart. I didn't see the pure and I didn't see the sanitizers. They probably have run out, actually. Um, so uh, that was one thing. Then I went another time, and um, I didn't think much about it, and I was just going along, you know, with the, mm-hmm. uh, with the cart. And I, as I'm doing it, I'm thinking, you know, this probably isn't such a smart idea. Uh, the third time I went, as I, uh, as I was almost leaving, um, Somebody was walking in, uh, you know, donning her mask and her gloves, you know, as soon as she walked in the door. And it really, it was a jarring sight at first. And then I said, you know, I I really, um, I really need to be more mindful. This is when you and I had this conversation. Mm -hmm. And so the next time I went, um, it was raining here. And um, I didn't have gloves. And I said, you know, I I really shouldn't be... um, you know, I could take some napkins, but then I remembered that I had this plastic rain hat in the car. So I took it out and I put my hands on the inside of it and, mm-hmm. and had the outside wrapped around the, um, the handle. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I used to push the cart. So I think you have to be mindful in many different circumstances. Many, many different circumstances. And uh, another thing that we've done, uh, Phyllis, my two daughters and, uh, and us, We've centralized ordering and delivering of groceries. Oh. And, and we did two Costco deliveries. We did had the delivery. They will right now in our area uh, deliver to commercial uh, addresses, but not residential. So this morning we had Costco delivery at our office, which you know is very close to my home. Right. And both my sons-in-law came and my husband went and they splitted our groceries and came back home so that the exposure of our family, three families going to the store three oh. different times to buy things, you know, or getting three different deliveries to three different places. Makes so we're sense. being mindful of that. And my mm. neighbor, who you know well, uh, she lives near me. So we were we did a meet order last week and I said mm-hmm. hey that person is coming from Los Angeles you know why don't we coordinate when you and I order mm-hmm. so he has to make one 
one right. trip to deliver to both of us. And this young man came and he's saying, you know, yeah, I said, did my neighbor get the order? He said, yeah, I just delivered. He said, I don't know why, but we get, we got 17 orders from Fullerton. Oh, we're well, only a three-month-old business. Oh, that's said, terrific. I said, well, you need to know an entity called Olive. So, well, anyway, I, I hope these suggestions have been um, helpful for our listeners and the information that we shared. Um, you know, we all have to continue to be mindful, be safe, take care of ourselves, and uh, in taking care of ourselves, we'll be taking care of our loved ones. So this is Phyllis Amen with Rubina Chaudhry signing off for Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Thank you for listening this week to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Please join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Robina Chaudhry, again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.